You know, last week we kicked this sermon series off, and um, there was a great little video movie that our team put together uh, of uh, Trevor and I, um, you know, having a little boxing match, and uh, rumor has it that, you know, somebody got the upper end of that. But anyway, we won't get into that rumor uh, or that gossip about that event. But there was a picture or a part of the movie where I was on a speed bag, and it brought back memories uh, of when I was in the sixth grade. And I had lost a very bloody schoolyard fight that I did not pick, uh, but I took the worst end of the, of the fight. And I remember asking my dad if I could get a speed bag uh, for the house. And so the, he put me a speed bag up in, the, uh, in our house uh, growing up. We had a basement, and then we had a coal bin where they would bring coal uh, that we would burn the, the furnace on. And so my, my dad put a speed bag up in the uh, Coal bin, and just above that was where my stepmom would watch soap operas, and uh, she'd be watching Days of Our Life or General Hospital, and she'd be yelling at me to stop punching on the speed bag, right? But I was punching on the speed bag because I wanted to prove myself on the playground. I wanted to protect myself from more pain that might be inflicted there. And so, oftentimes, our words are coming from a place of pain when we're trying to prove ourselves or trying to protect ourselves. I want to think back about last week. Again, words that uh, were covered, punches that we throw. If you missed those sermons, Bryce did an amazing job preaching uh, in the sanctuary, and Trevor did an amazing job in here. They talked about the punches of gossip, the punches of criticism, uh, the punches of sarcasm. Sarcasm. You know, those little jabs that we make that we think are really funny, but aren't really funny at all to the person getting the jab. That's how sarcasm is. It's, it's funny to us, but not funny to anybody else. If you take nothing away today in this series, try to put that into practice. Sarcasm is only funny to you. It really is. You're not really entertaining much with it. Um, it is painful. But I want to add a, a, a fourth punch today uh, to those three. And, and, and maybe you heard, you, not hear, you didn't hear this, but you felt it this week. Maybe you dished it out. That's something called the silent treatment, right? How about the silent treatment? Anybody got any silent treatment lately? You know, you get a little silent treatment, you know, where you just kind of hold back. It's where, it's where resentment goes on retreat at, right? You're just going to be resentful. You're just not going to say anything. And silence becomes a way to retaliate or to enact revenge. Silent treatment. I, I read about a story of a, of a couple, husband and wife, who were having a pretty big spat, so they were, they'd gone into the silent treatment. You know, they were giving each other over about a week of silent treatment. And the husband had to catch a very uh, important flight for business uh, the next morning. He had to get up at 5.30, so he left his wife a note. says, please get me up at 5.30. I have a very important flight to catch. Well, he woke up about 9 and uh, missed his flight. He was very angry, very upset. He was going to go break the silent treatment and say some words to his wife when he saw a note by his bed that said, it's 5.30, get up. (laughs) Silent treatment can be uh, not very healthy. Uh, Stubborn silence or verbal volleys don't honor God. They don't heal conflicts, and they don't usually help relationships. Now, the Bible tells us as we work through this series that there is power in our words. The power of our words Proverbs 18 says it this way, words kill, words give life, 
They're either poison or fruit. You choose. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I choose how we use our words. You know, words can spark life or they can sabotage life. There are people that inspire us with their words. They, they, they make us want to go harder, do more. And there, there's words that sabotage us and, and try to bring us down. And we just, we don't know where they, came, they come from. Words can, can be sacred or words can scar for life. I know I've got in my memory words that people have spoken to me that were sacred and holy. And I've held on to those words, and those words have inspired me. I remember a word somebody spoke to me maybe in my second year here in the old uh, chapel sanctuary, and somebody came out the door who was visiting our church, and they said these words. They said, really, I love the church. I believe this is a church where somebody can get saved at. I thought, hey, that's a great word, you know, that somebody can have their life transformed, a sacred word, a word that inspired me. But I can also tell you that in my memory and in my heart, are some words that have left scars. That I've never forgot those words because they were, they, 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 they hurt. And, and, and we hold on to those words. Words can bring a smile or words can bring shame. You choose. To shame or to smile, to be sacred or to scar, to spark life or to sabotage life. You choose. So this morning, as we get into this sermon, what is the source of our shade that we throw? The, the shame, the sabotage, the words that scar, what is the source? Jesus talked about the source in Matthew chapter 12. I'd ask you to stand, uh, verses 33 through 37, and I'd ask you to stand, and I'd ask you to read these with me. These are the words of Jesus about the source of our shade that we throw. Let's read it together. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. The word of God for the people of God. Oh, really? <laughs> we want to thank God for his word, but those words convict us, do they not? The words that we speak will acquit us or they will condemn us. Father God, I pray that your word will bring us hope today that through grace and mercy and transformation that the words that we speak will acquit us and not condemn us. Speak to us today your words. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, we hear the word, read the word, heart. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. You, you find the word heart 
800 times in Scripture. That means it's pretty important. 800 times the word heart. And, and not once does it use the word heart in terms of a physical organ that pumps blood through our body. It's always about something else. It's the heart that is the totality of intellect, emotion, desire, and volition. That's what the Bible is talking about. The place where we get our intellect, our emotion, our desire, and our volition, where we make our decisions, where we give our devotion. It comes from that inner place called our heart. It's what matters the most. And, and hear this, it is what's broken the most. The heart is what's broken about our human condition. It's why God sent his son into the world to begin to do repair on our hearts. It is the focus of the Holy Spirit this morning. It's why you're here. It's why I'm here. The Holy Spirit is, is here to work on our hearts. The, the very center of our being and we need help because it can be the treasure of great things or the treasure of bad things, even evil things. The, in our hearts is where we pray. In our hearts is where we hide God's word. In our heart is where the Holy Spirit dwells. But make no mistake that doubt can also dwell in our hearts. Evil can dwell in our hearts. We need a savior. What comes out of us reveals the true conditions of our heart. What comes out? Even when we're trying to, 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 to pretend, you know, one, one of the, the spiritual gifts that, that God has, has, has provided through the years in ministry, and not just directly to me, but, but through the counsel of others, uh, is discernment. And discernment is able to see into a person's heart. Discernment is able to, to look past a person's words and look past a person's actions and to really help give a, a spiritual insight into what really is going on. And there are people who, who care deeply about me or the ministry or Mount Horeb or the kingdom, and they would say to me, you need to be careful. You need to really watch out because I'm not sure that person heart is in the right place. I know they're saying some things that sound really good, but I'm not sure they're exactly in the right place. It's very important that we be able to discern the hearts of people. You know, and, and Jesus could see right through the hearts. You know, he could see right, right to the matter, you know. People would say one thing, but in, in the, even in these passages of Matthew, he sees the heart of the Pharisees. He knows what they're thinking even before they say it sometimes. And haven't you been in those situations where you kind of knew it was coming? You just, you just knew that they were going to say that because you kind of had an idea of their heart, you know? And in the, in the same way, in a very positive way, you just sometimes knew, know that that person is going to encourage you. You, you, you. you want to be in their presence because you're going to feel better, you know, because their heart's in the right place and, and, and they're, they're looking out for your best interest. There, there's power in our words, and it reveals the condition of our hearts. But I want to talk about something that, that really gets to the heart of the matter, no pun intended there, and that is the prism of pain. That, that in many of us, there is this prism of pain 
that we have in our heart. It's a reflection of past hurts. The times we've been bullied, the times we've been beaten up, the times we've been beaten down, the times we've been shamed, the times we've been scarred. It's a prism of pain. And hurtful words often originate from a heart that is hurting or a heart that's been deeply wounded. Hurting words. In getting ready for this sermon series, uh, Trevor pointed me uh, toward, and I've, you know, I grew up in, a, in the Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali uh, time frame, and, and I didn't really get into boxing much. After, you know, after a few months on the speed bag, I was done. You know? I think when it came back, hit me in the face a couple times, I'm, I'm done with this. But the story of Mike Tyson is a, is a, is a fascinating story. Mike Tyson, the last great undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, nicknamed Iron Mike or Kid Dynamite, who went on to become known as the baddest man on the planet. Mike Tyson, who made and lost almost $1 billion through controlled fury in the ring. He, could, he had this fury in his heart, and, and, and he controlled it, and he, and he was able to be the heavyweight champion of the world. But outside the ring, there was madness. And outside the ring, there was violence. And in reading some, some biography of Mike Tyson, as a, as a young boy, he was a frightened young boy. He was beaten by his mom when they lived in condemned buildings there in Brownsville, Brooklyn. He talks about it in, in, in his book, Undisputed, about cowering in the corner as his mom would, would hit him. And, and cowering in the corner as he watched his mom hit her boyfriends. Even one time watching her take a, a, a pan of hot scalding water and pouring it on her boyfriend's head. So he grew up from a place of pain. And, and, and obviously from that pain, confusion. By the time he was 13, he'd been arrested 38 times. He was on a path of destruction. But he met a trainer in a gym named Cus D'Amato, who, who saw so much potential as a fighter, as a boxer in Mike Tyson. He saw all of the pain that he had in his soul. And he was a master at taking that pain, as he said in his corner, and getting him to come out with this rage that could just knock somebody out in just a few minutes, in a round, in a round two. I, mean, I remember those fights, they were over quick, right? Bam, it was over, you know, because he was able to channel all of that pain. You know, I believe there's an evil presence in all of our corners that's trying to push us to cause pain, that's pushing our buttons to take in the pain that we got to try to hurt somebody, to try to harm somebody because we feel hurt or harmed inside. This prism of pain is a reflection of the pain from your past. And it's important if we're going to go forward as believers to be able to understand and discern that voice that pushes our buttons, that, that, that conjures up that pain from something that happened to us years ago or last week, and we hold on to it, and we won't let it go. And there's this person in our corner, this, this being, this evil presence that keeps pushing these buttons. So this morning, I want... I want the Holy Spirit to help each of us get in touch with our pain, but also to help us understand 
that the people who may be, that may be hurting you, that they're coming from a place of pain and, and, and that they need to get some help for that pain. You know, there's a parable, a modern parable that says, a hammer is a really good tool for hammering a nail, but it can hurt if someone hits you in the head with a hammer. And some of us have been hit in the head a few times with a hammer and it doesn't feel very good. I was reading a blog earlier this week uh, from a ministry called Matera Ministry. And, and you've heard this phrase before. We've heard it often that hurt people hurt people, right? That hurting people hurt people. That when we have a hurting heart, we want to sometimes cause other people's hearts to hurt. And it talked about several things. I want to lift them up to you. That hurt people hurt the people that are closest to them. We don't hurt the people at work. We wait till we get home and hurt the people that are our family and our friends. Hurt people react to ordinary words through the prism of their pain. In other words, we wear our feelings on our sleeves. You, you've, you've experienced that, right? That you say the slightest thing and somebody just blows up and where did that come from? Because they're wearing their feelings, their hurt feelings on their sleeve. That hurt people often betray themselves as victims. And they're suspicious and have a hard time trusting people. Can you imagine how difficult it was for Mike Tyson to trust anybody? As a child, when you're constantly being you know, violently abused as a child, it's hard to trust people. You know, I've shared my story in the past. You know, growing up in a broken home and growing up without a mother in my life, it was, it was really hard for me to trust women and really hard for me to, 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 to believe that I could fall in love and trust somebody as special as, as Lynn has been for 42 years. But by the grace of God, God knew exactly the person I needed to spend 42 years with, somebody that I could trust beyond a shadow of a doubt. Hurt people can remain. This has really, really jumped out at me. The hurt people can remain at the same emotional maturity of the age when they were hurt. That when you're hurt, when you're 12 and you never really deal with that pain, that you strike out and act like a 12-year-old the rest of your life when it comes to emotional pain. Haven't you experienced that with somebody? Man, you act like a kid. Why don't you grow up? What, what do you, you just go to this place, this, you know, and it's because we never dealt with what happened to us when we were young as a child. This is some deep stuff for us to, to wrestle with this morning. That hurt people often pursue hurtful and excessive hobbies or lifestyles as a way to escape their pain and run from reality. We've heard people that they never grow up because they're still running from the pain and the hurt that they experienced. And hurt people lack a, have a lack of self-awareness and they're even unaware that their words are hurting people. What, what did I say? I mean, they, well, I didn't mean anything by that. You know? As you pick up the pieces from the argument that we had. So I just wanna, I want you to hear that this morning that, that, that God sees your pain and God knows how you've been hurt, but he has an answer for it. I want to get to that in a minute. So there, there is some pain that, that has been inflicted upon us that it wasn't your fault. You didn't ask for it. It just, it, it, it happened. In a broken world, bad things happen. But, but, but it's important for us to know that that pain doesn't need to dominate our lives. It doesn't need to control our actions and our words. And that by the grace of God, we can be healed, and by the grace of God, we can be cleansed, 
And by the grace of God, we can, can become a new person and become a different person by the grace of God. I, I, I had no control over how I was raised as a child, but as I became a believer in Jesus, I could control what I did with that. I could receive the kind of help I needed to say, okay, I want to be different. I, I, want to, I don't want to repeat those mistakes. And by the grace of God, by the goodness of God, with the help of God, some things have changed in how I was raised. So that's a prism of pain. I'm going to say another word that Jesus speaks to about the poisoning of the heart. The poisoning of the heart. Mark chapter 7, Jesus said this, and he called the crowd and said, all of you listen all of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It is not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. See, that pain that was inflicted upon you may not have been your fault, but it is your fault what you do with it, right? But I think it goes beyond that. I think it has to do with sometimes we bring poison into our lives by the company we keep. We bring poison into our life by what we watch, by what we read, and, 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 and our heart is defiled, and it's full of this uh, venom, it's full of this almost violence that we've got to get out, whether it's guilt, whether it's uh, fear, whether it's just evil, that we've allowed to poison our hearts. William Barclay said, every outward act of sin is preceded by an inward act of choice. That we make choices. And, and sometimes it's not good for our heart. And eventually, eventually, it's going to come out. And eventually, it's going to harm someone and hurt someone. And then what's that cliche that we use? I'm not hurting anybody. Yes, you are. And yes, you will. You will end up hurting someone. And it usually will be the people that are the closest to you. A few weeks ago, Lynn and I had a chance to, uh, to tour uh, a, a, one of the largest food processing places in the country. And, and uh, this place, not far from here, processes over a million bags of vegetables every week. It's amazing to see that process. A million bags of vegetables a week. And what, I, what, I, what is even more amazing than that was the tremendous care they took to avoid contamination, to guard those bags of vegetables that something bad would not go into that bag. Just one bad leaf would contaminate the whole bag of vegetables. And one of the things they're the most proud about is they've had 95 years with no recalls. That's pretty impressive. 95 years, no recalls, because they make sure they do their darn level best to make sure there is no contamination. My friends, if we would be that diligent about our hearts, to make sure that there, are, there is no contamination, that I'm going to guard my heart. I'll get into that in a minute. But just be, be careful about that. You know, they, 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 their motto is safety of person, safety of product, and quality of product. Safety of person, number one. We don't want anybody to get sick. We, we want the product to be safe, and therefore, we'll have a quality product, right? But too many times, we, th we want to think about quality without thinking about the safety that goes into becoming quality. If we don't deal with our pain, we will always deal out our pain. It's going to come out. If, you, if we don't make sure 
of some things that's going to be dealt in other ways. So how do we then move from throwing shade to sharing the sacred? Don't you want to cause someone to experience the sacred more than to experience shame? Don't you want your words to promote the sacredness of God and not scare someone to death or scar someone for life? Now, I would say to you this morning, hear this when I say this, is you can't and I can't fix my broken heart. You can't fix your heart. You can't heal your hurts. But I know one who can. His name is Jesus. He has the power to change our hearts. So I want to give you some words real quickly. The first is a word that we say a lot around here. It is the word repentance. It starts there with repentance. How do I change my heart? It's got to begin with repentance. Because all of us in this room have damaged hearts. All of us in this room's hearts have been affected by sin. All of us in this room's hearts have been inflicted with pain and with hurt. And the beginning step is repentance. Now, repentance is not saying to God, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Repentance is, God, with your help, I want to go a different direction. I want to speak words that are helpful and hopeful and not harmful and hurtful. Lord, I want to change. I want to repent. I want to turn and go a different direction, and then begins something called the regeneration of the heart. It's a theological word, but when we repent, and when we confess our sins, when we confess that Jesus is God's son, and we invite him into our hearts, the Bible says we are born again. We have a, a new beginning, and the Bible says that we receive a new heart from God. He gives us a regenerated heart. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart. Say that with me. Create in me a clean heart. You can't give yourself a clean heart, but God can. He can regenerate your heart. Renew a loyal, a right spirit within me. Someone said, change your heart, change your life. Change your heart, change your life. And let Jesus Christ change your heart and we can't change what we say until we change what's in our hearts. We can talk about throwing shade all day and not to do it. Don't do this. Don't gossip. Don't give sarcasm. Don't be critical. Don't be harmful. Don't be hurtful. But we're just saying words unless we talk about a changed heart because that's where it begins, a regenerated, changed heart. And then guess what? When we, when we experience repentance and regeneration, guess who's in our corner? The Holy Spirit is in our corner. And the Holy Spirit is coaching us. And the Holy Spirit has given us counsel. And the Holy Spirit is saying, this is what you need to say. This is how you need to handle this situation. Whispering in our ear, reminding us of his words from Scripture. And, and become, he becomes our, in our ring. I, I need the Holy Spirit in my ring. I don't need the evil one in my corner. I want God's spirit. Amen? Can I get a second to that? I want God's spirit in my corner. Not because I deserve it, but because I need it. Not because I earned it, but because it's God's gift to me. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Giving me wisdom. Giving me discernment. Giving me compassion. Giving me joy. Giving me peace. The spirit of God. And I believe when that happens, then we are released so we can release. Release to be released. Once we're released from our sins, hear this. This is the hard part. 
we need to release other people from their sins. That's where it gets tricky. Because we want God to forgive us, but I don't want to forgive that person. I just can't. I just can't let it go. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You just don't get it. You don't understand. I don't. I agree. But God does. And God can give you a a, a regenerated heart so that you can release that pain. And unless you release it, it's going to still be be there. I love what Jesus said again in John 20, 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, what what does it say? They are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Not talking about reconciliation here. I'm just talking about releasing somebody. Saying, I I, I forgive you. You may not even say it to them verbally, but they may already be dead and gone, but you say, I I, I forgive this person. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go, and it's not going to dominate my life anymore. So, just some points on that. Release those who've hurt you because God has released you. He's forgiven you. Why would you withhold forgiveness from anyone else? Release those who've hurt you because you're allowing them to what? Control your life. If you will not release it, they're going to control your life. Don't allow someone who hurt you many years ago to continue to hurt you today. Do you hear that? Just because they hurt you a long time ago, they don't need to hurt you today. Let it go. Release it. The past is a past. And God has something better and something greater for you. Release those who've hurt us because we're going to need to be released and forgiven in the future. You and I are going to sin in the future. You know, it's going to happen. And so I need to make sure I'm releasing people because one day, tomorrow, later on this afternoon, we'll say, God, I need you to forgive me. I, I, I messed up again. And by the grace of God, he's going to say, okay, you're forgiven. So I, I got I to gotta release other people. I can't hold on to those grudges that keep me from giving grace to people. Release is available to all who trust in the healing power of the Holy Spirit. Let it go. I, I shared in a sermon a couple weeks ago uh, about, uh, as we were wrapping up the book of Jonah, uh, about grudges or grace and how we sometimes hold on to these grudges instead of giving grace. And folks, that will just steal all of your joy in your life. You need to, you know, when you come to the altar to pray or when you get on your knees and pray, leave your grudges there. I shared a funny story about a lady who had been exposed to rabies. So she went to her doctor and she had been exposed to rabies. She was very, very concerned and, and that she was gonna die. Of course, if you get rabies, I found out just a couple, well, about 20 minutes ago in a text from a doctor who was in the last service. If you get rabies, you're going to die. You know, there's nothing they, can, you, nothing they can do for rabies, right? You just die. But if you get exposed to rabies, then you can get a vaccination and, and, and it'll, it'll, it, you'll be, become well and become okay. Well, this, this woman was very upset because she had been exposed to rabies and the doctor's trying to reassure her and she, he goes out of the room to get the serum and comes back in and she's feverishly writing things on a piece of paper. He says, ma'am, he says, we've caught this early. You've just been exposed. You're not going to die. You don't need to write your last will. She said, I'm not writing my will. I'm writing down all the names of the people I'm going to bite. <laughs> you know. I challenged people two weeks ago to, to, to give that list to God. You know, just let it go and, 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 and forget about it, right? That is such a freeing thing for us to do. Not easy to do. I know it's not easy to do. It's been hard for me to do. I've been working on some things for a lot of years. 
But then the next thing I would say to you once you learn to release is resolve to guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Guard your hearts. Don't take poison in. Watch, don't watch violent video. Don't listen to vulgar language. Don't watch vicious evil. Guard your mouth. Guard your house. Guard your heart. Guard your screens. What we take into our hearts is going to come out. Minimize the trash and invest your time in the truth. If we will do that, we will guard our hearts. Minimize the trash and invest your time in the truth. Haven't you, how many times have you, right before you go on vacation, you know, what's the last thing you do? Take the trash off, right? You got the trash, yeah, I got the trash. Because if you leave the trash there and you get back, it is like, who forgot to take the trash off? You know, it is just, the, the house smells horrible. I mean, even, you know, you can take the trash out of the can, and the can still smells horrible, right? It's not even in there anymore, but it still smells horrible. Minimize the trash and begin to invest in the truth. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, when the Holy Spirit's in your corner, you hear those words, be kind, be kind. Don't say it, don't do it. Be tenderhearted, forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive, let it go, let it go. I need the Holy Spirit in my corner. How about you? I want God's Spirit in my corner. You know, I was reading about nuclear submarines. They have some of the most amazing technology on the planet. These amazing vessels can stay underwater for 90 days. They got all the provisions they need for 90 days. But every 90 days, I did not know this, this is what I read, that the submarine must resurface to maintain proper alignment with the North Star. While underwater, the submarine's navigational system is affected by the Earth's magnetic forces. And because they carry weapons of mass destruction, they gotta make sure they stay aligned with their true reference point, the North Star. Now, you and I need to stay aligned with the true source of truth. We don't need to wait 90 days. We need to probably sometimes wait 90 seconds, right? Every 90 seconds, I need to realign myself with the wellspring of truth so I can stay focused because all of us in this room have weapons of mass destruction. And it usually starts with our words. We can make, reap a lot of destruction with what we say. So stay focused on the true source of truth. And then finally, I would say to you this morning that transformed messes can become your new message. Some of the most healing people that I know who have the most helpful messages I know are people that have been healed the most from hurt, from pain, from difficulty. Transformed messes can become your new message. Ezekiel 18 said it this way, but a wicked person who turns his back on that life of sin and keeps all of my statutes." living a just and righteous life, he'll live and really live. He won't die. 
I won't keep a list of all the wrong things or all the things he did wrong. He will live. I love this. Do you think I take any pleasure in the death of, a wicked, of wicked men and women? Isn't it my pleasure that they turn around no longer living wrong, but living right, really living? You know what brings God pleasure? You know what's going to make God happy today and please God more than anything? is for you to say, here's my heart. I need you to heal my heart. I need you to change my heart. You know, one of the, certainly I think the best uh, restaurant out there is Chick-fil-A, right? And what do they say? My pleasure. When you, when you try to say thank you, they go, my pleasure. You know, I, I believe that's what God is saying, wants to say to you this morning. When you, when you say to God, help me, he'll say, my pleasure. Forgive me. God will say, my pleasure. Help me let it go. My pleasure. See, God's in the pleasure. He wants to, he wants to change your life and bring you that kind of purpose. You know, in, a, in, a, in an interview that happened after his career was over, Iron Mike Tyson admitted he needed help with his pain. He needed help with his fury. He needed help with his past. And he said this, I, I've surrendered to a higher power. I said, help me. I can't do nothing no more. Guide me, God. Whoever, wherever. This morning, will you simply say two words? Help me. Will you say to God, heal me? Will you say to God, guide me? Will you say to God, release me? And it's his pleasure to do that. When our hearts are changed by the words of God, our words can change the world. When our hearts are changed by the word of God, our words can change the world. Father God, I, I pray that this morning that you would speak to us through these words. And Father God, you know the people here that struggle with harmful and hurtful words. And I pray that you would convict them and change their hearts to stop the poisoning and to deal with the pain, to release the pain, to stop the poison. And Father God, remind us today that we're surrounded by your grace. And we're surrounded by one who will fight our battles. One who will get in our corner and whisper to us the right words to say. Healing words to give. Lord, this, this one, his name is Jesus, who was hurled insults. Who heard all kinds of harmful and hurtful words who was nailed to a cross by words. Condemn him, crucify him. And yet he did that for us so that our hearts could be changed and our words could be transformed. Receive this grace and know that you have one in your corner that'll help you fight your battles. In Jesus' name, amen.